And here we are once again with another thrilling edition of On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. And this week we have one of the bravest people I've ever met, Joey Steenhagen. Joey has been acting, teaching, and directing theater for young people throughout Tompkins County since 1993. He's directed musicals, plays, all at local and middle high schools, uh, including for the Northern Lights Learning Center and the Hangar Theater's Kid Stuff series. He's also taught acting at Ithaca College, Cornell, SUNY Cortland, Hangar Theater's Next Generation Program, and the Ithaca Youth Bureau. And he just doesn't teach. He enthusiastically practices what he preaches. As an actor, Joey's appeared at the Kitchen Theater's productions of uh, Tony and Soprano, Precious Nonsense, Intelligent Design of Jenny Chow, and We Won't Pay, We Won't Pay. He is currently the co-artistic director and resident director of Running to Places, a nonprofit theater company for teens that rehearses and performs across the Tompkins County area, hence the name. Welcome, Joey. George, you're making me feel old, that bio, my gosh. It's been, <laughs> it's been 20 years I've been here, George, 20 years. And you probably ought to update the bio there, Joey, just in case, you know. So, it's, um, Okay, for those of us who don't know what Running to Places is about, talk to us. So Running to Places is a theater company for middle and high school students from all over the county. Um, I, you know, I got the idea several years ago that after directing freelance in all the schools in the area, that, man, it would be so great to get all these kids together and do a show together. And so that's kind of where Running to Places came from. Um, the whole idea was giving all these kids more opportunities. Most schools, they do one musical a year. Some might do a play also. But that's pretty much it. And so it's just a few opportunities for what ends up being just a few kids every year. And there's so much more talent. The depth of talent is infinite in this area. So it was a way to get more kids doing more stuff and digging deeper and working faster and harder and better. And uh, and it's honestly just been the most fun I've ever had working in my whole life. This sounds horrifically exhausting. <laughs> well, you know, running to play. It's not strolling to places. <laughs> it's not ambling to, ambling places. to places. No. Like, yeah. yeah, we really never stop. I mean, we we have now reduced it to a five-show season. Wait, wait, wait. Reduced? In our, our first several seasons, it was uh, six shows. So we're, we're coming up on uh, three dozen shows since our first one opened. Uh, Fame uh, premiered January 2008. And we've done almost three dozen so uh, shows since then. You know, I don't know how many hundreds of kids have come through. Uh, and yeah, that was going to be my next question. I mean, how many kids per show? And how many... I'm assuming you have regulars who keep coming back or kids that keep acting with you. And I mean, how many kids do you think you've, you've, you've worked with over the years? I, I honestly don't know. It's several hundred for sure. I mean, we typically have the company every year. We have auditions at the beginning of the season. And then we'll usually have a supplemental one in the spring. Uh, it's open to any kids, you know, and they come in year after year. And sure, we do see a lot of the same kids uh, year after year. But we typically see ballpark around 100 kids over the course of the season. Uh, and there are some kids now. I mean, we've been here long enough that there are kids who were middle schoolers who are now in college. And watching as the kid that you, you you know you just didn't see it coming and all of a sudden they show up at auditions and just knock the walls down this happens year after year people will sometimes think uh you know do you have you must precast it you know who you're going to cast and it would be such an insane disservice for us to do that because the, i mean literally there have been several occasions this year where someone comes in belts her face off and we didn't know she could do that 
and it walks away with the role. You know, we just had no idea. We didn't see it coming. And it might have very well been that a year ago, she couldn't do that. She was 13, and now she's 14, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a world of change of what yeah. they can do. Biology steps in and changes everything. It is. And, and not to mention that these kids are the hardest working kids I've ever yeah. experienced in my life. Um, so it's not, it's more than just kind of the raw talent. They're taking classes, they're taking voice lessons, they're taking dance classes since, you know, they could walk. And actually, there's just as many kids who don't do any of that stuff. They just show up because it seems like fun and they're interested and all of a sudden they discover. And then it's our responsibility to give them the tools. You know, we always talk about the fact that we we push hard. We set a really intense rehearsal schedule. We typically do with the same demographic as a high school musical, but we do it in approximately half the number of hours. So we work at a really accelerated pace. We ask unbelievable amounts of them. We tell them, hey, you got to show up off book. We're going to go through this number once and next week we're going to review it and hopefully you've learned it by then. You got to do it on your own time. Next time we do it after that is at the designer run, then we're into tech. And it requires a lot more personal responsibility from the kids. And what's been kind of amazing to see, you know, talking about the evolution of year after year, all these kids is how that the culture of hard work and personal responsibility has grown year after year where the kids who were the young ones in the beginning, they got mentored by their predecessors of, oh, oh, this is how you rehearse. Oh, you show up if it's a 10 minute break, you start entering the room at eight and a half minutes. So by the time 10 minutes is done, you're there and ready to work. You don't start showing up at 10 minutes. Um, that culture has been instilled in the younger ones. So now that those younger ones are the older ones, they're better at being the role models. And so that new generation of younger ones are getting even better mentoring than than you know than ever was before. So the process just gets better and stronger. Uh, you know, we're rehearsing Into the Woods right now, and it, that is not an easy show. <laughs> Sondheim did not pull any punches on that. It right. is hard music. Every note, every rest is there for a reason. He thought it through, and all you got to do is you got to sing what he wrote, and nothing more and nothing less. And I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of Sondheim's work, but I am not familiar with Into the Woods. Your production is going to be the first time I'm going to see it, hear it, or whatever. Um, and several people have already told me that they are definitely planning to go see what happens with this one because of its, how shall we say, unique challenges. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's, it, so for anyone who doesn't know Into the Woods, like you, George, um, <laughs> it's, you know, Sondheim basically took, and, and James Lapine, the, um, who wrote the book, took some of your favorite fairy tales and then mashed them up. What would happen if one day everybody, Little Red, Cinderella, mm -hmm. Jack and the Beanstalk, all met in the woods and everyone was after the things that they're wishing for. And then what happens at the end of act one is that everybody gets their wish, but then there's act two. And so it's really about, okay, so what happens if you get your wish? Is it everything you want? Then what do you do? Are you satisfied or do you still want more? Or what happens if you find out and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be, but now you're there. Mm. And so, you know, we talk about in rehearsals, act one, that's, that's the dream. That's fantasy. And then act two is reality. And it's amazing that over the course of a two-hour play, they cover in unbelie unbelievable depth themes of parents and kids and what it means to grow up and what it means to let go of your kids and what it means to, you know, dream and fail or dream and succeed. And then what um, it, it covers, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really not hyperbole to say it covers 
the entirety of human experience, and it's hilarious, and the music is brilliant. The entire world in one musical. Pretty much, it's the last one. You'll, it's the last one you'll ever have to see, really. Uh, it, it raises an interesting question because, uh, all right, you mentioned the end of Act One. They all get their wishes, and I know from, I mean, at least our culture here in America doesn't teach us what to do. Then, all right, it doesn't. It doesn't say, okay, once you've succeeded, once you've gotten your dream, where do you go and what happens? It's all that initial journey. So. When these kids are rehearsing this show, right, and these are teenagers, I mean, it's we're we're talking, what ages here? I mean, it's well, the the company is grades six through twelve. This show, okay. we've we've got, uh, I believe it is all high school students, and and it really is some of the most veteran veterans. It's, all right. So, have have any of these kids raised questions about the concepts expressed in this musical? I mean. You know, they're all working towards something. They're all here because they sing, they dance, they want to be on stage, they 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 want to throw these Sondheim words out to the world. But what happens later on in life? I mean, is this teaching them anything? One of the things that I think that it, I, I don't know that they're necessarily seeing it from the point of view of, um, well, you know what? To be honest, I haven't asked them whether they're seeing it from the point of view of their own personal aspirations, career-wise, theatrically. There's so much there interpersonally it's a show about children and families and parents and they all can certainly relate to it as kids and especially as teenagers who are getting ready many of them to strike out on their own to leave for college to fly the nest and to be independent and that is a major core theme of what this is about the the young woman who plays the witch in the story, you know, uh, who is Rapunzel's mother, who I've known for so many years and, and her family. And she's a remarkable talent. I mean, just just raw vocal power. Your jaw will be on the ground. Honestly, you'll, you'll wonder where we got professional ringers and college students. Right. So besides her technical virtuosity, she has a, a number of songs that she sings about what it's like being a mother letting go or a mother getting blamed or being a mother making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand how she understands the depth of what she does. But she seems to? She doesn't seem to. She does. She does. We, we, there's this one number where it's the witch and it's Rapunzel and you know, this is after Rapunzel has has left the tower and her prince and, you know, all that. And her mother, who's been, kept her up in the tower, not because she's an evil witch, but because she's a mother who loves her daughter and wants to protect her from the horrible things in the world, of which there are many. And this is the song where she's singing, you know, why, why didn't you, why didn't you listen to me? When wasn't I enough for you? I loved you. Wasn't that enough? And by the end of, uh, not even by the end. There wasn't a single, we were the first time we were rehearsing it. Everyone was collapsed in puddles on the floor. It was the most gut wrenching, oh. heart rending. It was so beautiful and so powerful. And also, what made it really possible was the fact that the the two performers in that scene, the two of them have you know become soul friends over the course of being in this company, and and they're from they're from different towns. If one of the whole goals of this company is building community, so it's not just kids from one school district, kids from one part of town, it's kids from all over the place. So 
these two girls never would have met quite possibly. And here they are, they've been, their, their hearts have been fused for so long that they could look in each other's eyes and do this song and collapse in tears and stay in it and stay with each other and trust each other and love each other. And we were saying in rehearsal, I mean, you couldn't buy that for a million dollars if you just hired actors off the street to do that. I don't know how you're supposed to manufacture that level of trust and intimacy. And so we as a company have the benefit of cultivating these relationships. And, and that, for my money, is one of the most satisfying things about this. I had a great community theater experience growing up. And yeah, I, I was going to ask where, where you got your uh, your training from because I'm, I'm looking at you while we're doing this and you're talking about all these kids okay, who are getting this experience for the first time, second time, third time, but they're going through it. And I know you off and on for several years and I know your musical theater through and through and you love it. Um, what kind of training did you have? Where did this start? And, you know, what did you have growing up that, that compares to what these kids have? So I grew up in northern New Jersey, and my parents took me and my sister to the theater. It's just what we did. I don't remember not going to the theater. I don't really remember the point at which I wanted to start doing it, although... What's the first play you really remember? The Halloween play in fifth grade. Okay, and, yeah. and I wanted to be the black cat... Jeff Traverso got the part of the black cat. I got crow number two. And I don't like to believe that part of my drive in theater was because of the fact that I wasn't the black cat and I was just, I needed to prove something to somebody. I don't know who. I showed you, Jeff Traverso. I don't know. Ah, your, your black cat was my Judas and Jesus Christ superstar. <laughs> Eighth grade, Michael Bailey got the part. I walked into that audition knowing every single word in the play. I hate teacher's pets. There you go. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it started there, possibly. I started doing community theater. Uh, there was this company, Song and Dance Associates, mm -hmm. which I, I consider the spiritual ancestor of running to places. It was a phenomenal director, choreographer, music director. And they took it. Was, it was a lot of kids. It was, you know, a bunch of us teenagers. It was also some grownups, too. It was, you know, true community theater. And we did shows that I'm still proud of. I look back on them and we did some pretty fantastic West Side Story and Chorus Line and we did some really challenging stuff. And what I and that was really the core of my training until I got to Ithaca College. But the fact is I look back on it now and think compared to running to places, you know, what we do is we really follow the professional model as much as we can, whether it's everything from, you know, the, the timing of breaks during rehearsal following actors' equity <laughs> rules mm -hmm. to the design process and, and the, the beauty of what our designers create on stage and, and give these kids the experience of being a part of. Um, so we didn't have that you know, back in my day, right. but it was still the core of what I did theatrically, but it's also where I met my soul friends. That's the, the people who are the dearest people in my life are the friends that I made doing that. And they might have been people I went to high school with, although yeah. probably weren't in my grade, or the kids who went to the next school over, the next town over. And so the fact that there is this thing now where I get to watch the best parts of my childhood reenacted. And and I, I think of it like being, it's like the ghost of Christmas past, but without the negative baggage. I just get to revisit it all fondly 
and lovingly and I get to watch it and the fact that I even get to be a part of it in any way mm -hmm. is the most satisfying thing for me. It's it's the thing that I get the most joy out of and it's the thing that, that fills my heart the most is getting to watch these relationships, you know, develop and, and bloom mm -hmm. and last. I'm, I'm, anybody who's in a, a good show, a good theatrical production with a good cast, good director, knows that the bonding occurs that you know for adults and for kids that you go through a show and you get to the end and you get to the last performance and your heart starts to break and then you get to the cast party and you start emoting you know it, it, you, you cry a little bit you don't want this thing to end and it becomes a special experience that that is fleeting you know and and it just goes away it's like the childhood experience goes away and all these kids grow up and you grew up. Um, what is it that, you, that you're learning now about this whole experience that by, by teaching these kids, okay? And by the way, when I introduced you and I said that you're one of the bravest people I know, it's because you work with a whole bunch of kids, all right? And working with adults in shows presents its own set of challenges, but kids, wow. I mean, so... What makes you a wiser Joey Steenhagen now? Well, I, first of all, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's the most, it is the only place that I want to be is is working with these kids and being part of their development. Um, I mean, what I didn't realize at the time was what theater was giving me. And the fact that I can be part of it now, the, the I realized the, the time that I directed my first middle school play many years ago, it occurred to me the answer to a question that I had never thought to ask, which is, why is middle school set apart? Why is it, you know, there's elementary school, there's yeah. high school, why is this thing in the middle for a few years? And what I realized is that you go in, you sort of think of it like a conveyor belt in a factory in a way, where you, you go in and they're kids. And when they leave, they're not quite adults, but they're not kids. Right. And it's that transformation that happens in between where they decide who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. And for a lot of kids, certainly in our society, it's very easy to want to use that time to shut down, to operate from a place of fear. Or, you know, there are so many influences that can, that can weigh down where a kid is going to end up and that can short circuit their desires and dreams to be the person that they're supposed to be and what I what I got from theater and what I believe theater does better than anything else I can think of is basically give these kids armor and it gives them courage it gives them you know we, we love relishing our weirdoness I mean theater people know like we are weird we're so weird we but we are we are we. We are all together being, mm -hmm. you know, we're like whether you, like you could be the outcast, but you're going to be in a whole group of outcasts. You can be the weirdo and you're among your you know weirdo friends like you get to do whatever you want. You get to be you. And I, I sometimes think about what it must be like. You know, we rehearse on Sundays a lot. We have our big, long marathon rehearsals. We rehearse one to nine o'clock is a pretty typical Sunday for us. And I think about it during the school year when we have these unbelievable rehearsals and boy, it's a journey. It's eight hours mm -hmm. and we laugh and by the end we're, our brains are falling out of our ears, but we got unbelievable work done. 
And I think, and, and these kids do these incredible performances and they learn unbelievable amounts and assimilate it like a, in a snap. And then I think they go to school on Monday and they've got to feel like Clark Kent at the Daily Planet. <laughs> you know, they've got to just walk down the halls yeah. being like, you have no idea what I did yesterday for eight hours. Yeah, and it, it, it's got to seem dull because I know from... I mean, doing a sh I love doing shows. I live to do shows, okay? But when I go back to a normal life, Dullsville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's addictive, but yeah. it's the good kind of addictive where, you know, it's the kind of thing where you see, there, uh, some of your audience may know about Shakespeare in the Basement. I don't know of any community anywhere that has something like Shakespeare in the basement, which is, it's an it's it's the Menudo, but it's Shakespeare. You know, it's entirely youth run. Menudo? Menudo. You can only be up to 18 or whatever, and then you're <laughs> gone and they replace you. Okay. But the idea is that, you know, it's an entirely youth run Shakespeare company. Right. And they do this on their own time. They raise their own money. They run it themselves. They book the space. They do the cost. It's everything top to bottom is entirely youth run. Mm -hmm because they love it and they can't get enough of it. And I think, you know, these are the kids who when, like you were saying, the show's over and that post-show sorrow sets in. And I, I know, I love eavesdropping on Facebook the day after, you know, all of the messages that ping across to one another as they're mm -hmm. kind of gathering virtually, but then they gather in real life. It's not just virtual friendships. They get together in real life and they do shows together for the fun of it and for the love of it. Yeah. Um, and they get together and they do stuff. And again, it's with people they might never have met. So yeah, it's addictive. When you work with kids, there's no way to avoid working with their parents. And we've all heard the tales and we all know the stage moms and the stage dads and the little league uh, parents who are like, why isn't my kid playing or why isn't my kid pitching? Um, and I'm sure you've got to get some of that in there because, you know, little little Johnny or little Rainbow isn't, you know, isn't singing the lead. And you have to answer these questions and you have to talk to the kids about it and you have to talk to the parents about it. You know, we're talking about all the good stuff here, but especially when you're dealing with kids, you've got to deal with the other bit. And what's, what's that all about? To be honest, we get surprisingly little of that kind of thing. Um, in part, I think that there's a benefit to us doing, like I said, when you do one show a year, there's only so many opportunities in the next year. Let's face it, the chances are good that it's gonna be those same kids. Mm -hmm. Because we have so many more shows and therefore so many more roles, and we really work hard to try to find as many successful places for as many kids as possible. And so it's it makes it more possible for us to cultivate more kids and to find that nugget that's going to be mm -hmm. thrilling and satisfying. Um, and we really, it's, it, it's of primary importance to us that we, it's not a matter of rewarding someone for X, Y, and Z, but for putting them in the place where they can find the most success. Um, you know, in, in the moments where there has been, I, I'm not for a moment pretending that there aren't broken hearts when a cast list goes up. Oh, sure, um, there always is. Of well, course. To some degree. Of course. Yeah. And, and I mean, there, there have been times where, you know, someone has gotten in touch and said, hey, I'd really like to talk about this. And it is, it's my pleasure, it's my privilege to sit down and talk. Yeah. As much as it is about the shows and as much as it is about the performances, it's about the life skills, it's about youth development. I mean, I, I come from that background as much as I do from 
teaching, directing, performing theater is about youth development. It's about using these tools to end up leaving these kids feeling like they can handle anything that comes their way. If they go into a field that has nothing to do with theater, they're sure gonna come up with a deadline that they can't move. They gotta work under pressure. They gotta assimilate directions quickly and gracefully mm -hmm. and permanently. They gotta speak in front of groups. They gotta work as a group and still be an individual. Like all of these things that any theater people know, any theater person can offer any employer in any field. Um, and, and it's those moments that I think, uh, I think our community, our families recognize that that's what we're aiming for as much as it is about the shows. Mm -hmm. The shows are important. We people pay money to buy the tickets. We, mm -hmm. you know, it, there is a product there, and that's very important. Just as important, though, is the process and the development mm -hmm. that we're trying to offer. Well, I'm 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 going to basically say for our radio audience, for those of you who have not seen a running to place a show, um, don't don't even think for a second that these shows are just teenagers getting up on stage and singing little hearts out. The last show I saw them do was Urine Town, and I basically sat there in the audience and I was stunned. Production values were unbelievable, and these kids got up on stage and they performed like they've been on Broadway for years. They sang, they danced, the timing was perfect. Um, it was by all means an absolutely professional level production. What's your favorite musical? Oh man, oh, who's my favorite kid? First George, thank you for saying those kind words. We appreciate it. No, 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 seriously, it's the truth. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I mean, if I, okay, I, th I think about this sometimes. If I just have to pick one, it's going to be West Side Story. I mean, I I will I will I will happily wrestle anybody who claims that West Side Story is not the best musical of all time. Um, I mean, you start with the best. You're starting with Romeo and Juliet as the source material, mm -hmm. and then you think about who wrote the music, and who wrote the words, and the original choreography, and it's just. I, the moment that I realized that it was the best musical of all time, I remember seeing uh, many years ago a friend of mine in a true community theater production of it. I mean that in the, in the best possible sense. Mm -hmm. And the pit consisted of a piano and a drum. And it was, you know, a, a, a patchwork of, you know, kind of unexpected casting in some ways. Yeah. And I left the theater just urgently wanting to get a, get my hands on a copy of the soundtrack, just going, oh, that is the greatest music of all time. Oh, that is the best musical. <laughs> and realizing that you just, you, there's nothing you could do. You can't harm that. You know, it's, it is the best musical that I can think of. And I think about it and, and you know, get happy and get weepy all at once in, in all the right places. I, I, we haven't done that one yet. Uh, um, is that one on the horizon? I'm... I'm, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh man, I love it so much. I got to do it right. Do you direct all of these? I mean, really? Uh, in, in the six, you know, this is, we're coming to the end of our sixth season. There's been one so far that I didn't. I handed Christmas Carol the reins over, uh, you know, that's, was sort of a director choreographer show. So I handed that to the choreographer. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's difficult to, to hand over. I'm surprised your hair isn't gray at this particular point. I mean, directing is such a hard job at times, and it's exhausting because you're thinking all the time. You're watching. You're you're trying to be in tune with 
all of your actors and trying to pick up on what they're doing and use what they're doing to make the whole show better. It's, and I'm getting tired just think, talking about it. I mean, the beauty of theater is that it's, it's a collaborative art, you know? If you're a sculptor, your arms get tired and there ain't nobody else who's picking up a chisel, you know? Like, you're, you're all alone in your studio. Running to places for its whole history, it's, it's, it's a collaboration. Gail Belliker is the co-artistic director, and the work that she has done artistically, logistically, is phenomenal. It's, it's amazing. You know, the, for Into the Woods, our designers, our uh, scenic designers, uh, David Arsenal, lighting designers, Tyler M. Perry, mm-hmm. we've collaborated with them. I mean, you, so George, you saw their work in Urine Town. Right. And, and frequent collaborators, as much as humanly possible, we want to work with them. I mean, they're graduates of Ithaca College. They're both on their way to stellar careers in New York. We're lucky to have them when we get the, the chance to work with them. And, but, and they come back because they're passionate and dedicated to what the kids do, uh, you know, as deeply as anybody else. And so having that level of artistry and professionalism and passion, um, this company is so much more than just me. I mean, I, I, I get to be the face of it sometimes, but theater is ensemble. It's an ensemble sure. art. That's, that's one of the joys of doing theater. It's... It's not a solo experience, you know, unless it happens to be a solo show. But then you're working with a director anyway, and you're working with a crew, so you're not, you're still not alone. Um, when was the last time you were on stage? Well, it's been too long. Um, I mean, I, I got. To... I, I know you were on for your in town. Yeah, well, and that was that was an interesting thing. That wasn't by design. That one, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, Caldwell B. Cladwell in in your in town, yeah. the the evil business tycoon. And that was just kind of a, a random fluke that we had cast the role, one of the kids, then they had a conflict, they weren't able to do it, we recast it, then that person wasn't able to do it, and then we were starting rehearsal in three weeks. Mm. And it wasn't gonna, we, there wasn't anyone else that we could pull from at that time of year. And it was just one of those things where it was the only role that could have made sense. I mean, it's the older authority figure, um, and it was really fun for all of us because I got to just be evil and, you know, throw kids off the building and, uh, <laughs> you know, and so it was just another like, dream come true. Yeah, exactly. It was it was it was that was really a lot of fun. And and I would do that again only if the circumstances presented itself, which is rare. And I'm not I, I'm not seeking that by any means. Um, you know, you obviously I, miss being on stage. I do. I do. Joey, it's been an absolute thrill having you with us uh, today. And folks. Go out there and see this show. It's going to be amazing. Into the woods. Uh, when does it start? When does it end? Where's the plan? We're going to be at the State Theater, which is generally our home away from home. Uh, the State Theater, August 16, 17, and 18th. That's Friday and Saturday at 7, Sunday at 2. Tickets are available at the State Theater box office. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, I'd wish you good luck with the show, but you probably won't need it. But it's been a pleasure actually having you here. So thank you very, very much. Thanks so much, George. And because I have a tendency to get way too over-involved in listening to what my unbelievably interesting guests are saying, I, I sometimes forget to ask really important questions like, Hey, Joey, where can our audience go to find out more information about your group running to places? Do you have a website? To which Joey would probably reply, Why, yes, George, glad you asked. We're at www.runningtoplaces.org. Let me say that again, www.runningtoplaces.org. Why, thanks, Joey, for that wonderful information. No problem, George. Glad to have been here. 
Thanks once again for tuning in to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm George Sapio. On Stage, Off Stage can be heard at WRFI Radio 91.9 in Watkins Glen, 88.1 in Ithaca. We air on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month at 3.30 to 4 p.m. with rebroadcasts on the first and third Mondays. And don't forget to go to our website, www.onstageoffstage.org. All the episodes we've aired previously are archived there and they are available for streaming or download. Have a good week, kids. We'll catch you next time.